I don't know how well you can hear that, but it's the uh, sound of raindrops on the the roof of my Mazda. I love that sound. It's Sunday, 4.30 in the afternoon, May 31st, and I'm in Thompson Park. And I have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, I just told myself, silently, that, well, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't work out, you don't have to use it. You can just sort of record and then scrap it. So don't worry about it. Uh, I needed that bit of reassurance because... Because I'm I'm not sure where I'm going, or I have to go, or should go. Uh, my last podcast was about these seeds I found. Of course, I rushed into church today and showed them to Scott, who was sitting at his piano, and he knew right away, oh, you found it, you found the other one. And uh, this other friend, uh, Deb, looking at them, they go, oh, aren't they neat, you know? But... I feel almost a little embarrassed, not about that, about sharing it, uh, but about doing a whole podcast about these silly stones in my rock collection. Last night, I went out uh, with my good drinking buddy, Brian, very good friend, um, Brian, who I met in, I guess... Summer of 1979, just before... Summer of 1980, I guess, yeah, just before we headed off to Nigeria. Um, Brought up in Toronto, and uh, we've just been very tight friends ever since. And we often go to the only cafe to have a few beer together, and uh, we're, we're friendly older guys, and so we always get into conversations with people, and we always have a good time, but... Last night, we'd sort of planned, yeah, we'll go, and part of me was thinking, you know, you really should be doing something different, something of more value. It's it's not enough to go and just drink beer with a friend, that you should be doing something new or, or something that has meaning, significance, importance. And I, I couldn't shake that feeling. And it was sort of like, yeah, well, I don't know. That's just the easiest thing to do. Well, we got to the only cafe. And as soon as I got there and I looked at all the beer on their menu, they have a, they keep a menu of each tap that they have going. And they usually have about 20 taps. So it's a lot to choose from each week. And it's always different. I didn't know what to pick. So I said, hey, you know, I'm going to try a flight. And that is you order five different beer. And you write down one, two, three, four, five, which ones you want. And they give it to you in a very neat little tray, numbered one, two, three, four, five, and so you know what you're drinking. And that was a perfect solution. I felt, from that point on, I felt happy. Hey, I am doing something different. Instead of one pint, I'm having five different tastes. In fact, we did it a second time. Brian did the same thing when he came in. And in no time, that feeling of why am I doing this just disappeared. I was with a friend. We were enjoying some beer together. We were talking about our families. Brian and I know each other so well. We talk a lot about our wives, our children, and uh, we share a lot. And we joke. By the end of the evening, we went from there to the Eaton House to catch a live band. Uh, That was very good. Um, I did my usual 
on the way there, I sort of stepped down a side street and uh, light up half a joint or a third of a joint or whatever. Not very much, just enough to give me a nice little buzz. Uh, for those of you who don't indulge, you may not get that, but it's uh, it's just another... I, I used to refer to it as fine-tuning or tweaking. It's just something I enjoy a lot. I'll, I'll enjoy the music more. I'll maybe go off on a little bit of a tangent, but basically it's... It's shifting perspective. It's like having a microscope and it's blurry and you just sort of turn the dial just a little bit to see a little more clearly. Oh, oh, okay. And it may be something very particular you're looking at and not the whole picture, but that little bit is becomes very clear and in focus and you you you, you see things in just a slightly different way and that's fun. One of the things Brian and I talk often about uh, is doing a play together. And, and we're both quite serious about it. I can't imagine it happening, but we really do have this idea. Before it gets to be too late, either we, you know, one or both of us come down with, uh, oh, some debilitating disease or Alzheimer's or whatever else. Um... We have to do a, a play, and we've decided it would, would would be on a stage, and we'd both be in coffins of some sort, uh, because we've always said that whichever one dies first, the other has to speak at his funeral, and we decide, well, let's do it beforehand, so we both get to talk at each other's funeral, and, and basically, maybe it'd be a celebration of our friendship, because we're quite different, and yet very, very similar, um, although I'd say much more different than similar. Brian is a nicer guy than I am, and it comes down to that. But I'd be able to play with that. We'd be, we'd be doing some back and forth, and uh, last night we developed the idea a little further. There were two new waitresses at the Eaton House, and we charmed both of them, as, as we are both good at. And uh, they were dressed in tight outfits with a lot of cleavage and so on. We thought, you know... That would be a nice addition, because we want our audience to enjoy this uh, performance a little bit. We'd have a couple of cute waitstaff, and I'm sorry if that sounds sexist. I did not think about having a cute boy as well. Um, to serve beer, we'd have to have it licensed, and, and they'd come around. And, of course, we'd want a beer while we're on stage, and then we thought, no, we'll do a prologue. Then we'll do the back and forth from our you know respective coffins. And uh, who knows what the final act would be, and whether it's going to be a one night only or a, a, a you know a one week performance, different every night. Uh, the question Brian rose the question: Would our wives come? And I had, I think we both realized they're not going to appreciate it too much, or maybe they would. Uh, certainly, Brian's wife would want to be part of it, and and that would send things askew. So well, maybe maybe not. Anyway, that maybe is the kind of tangent I'm talking about that you get into and you're seeing it in a different way and you're saying, yeah, wow, that's funny, that, that's interesting. Um, so, I guess what I'm saying is I'm quite fickle. Like I can go out feeling kind of discouraged or not pleased with myself that, that something's not real enough. You know, going out for drinks with a friend is, you know, it's got to be, there has to be something better. 
and then getting into it and realize, no, there isn't anything better or anything else I had to do. Part of it is is also this feeling I have of the need to be maybe a better person, the need to be somebody a little different, and, and that's really what I want to get to on this um, this particular podcast. Um, but first, church today, um, I do really want to make it, you know, it's hard to separate. I think a lot of people might think this particular podcast, Baby Sally, um, is tied to the church that I go to. And it's it's not really. It's, it's coincidental that I had long ago decided to end the Dixon Janes podcast at episode 500 and just in the overlap of time found this wonderful church, West Hill United, and I really need to make it clear the only reason I'm going to this church is because it's not your typical church. In fact, what we heard today is is where, you know, we're going to have, there, there will be a need for a lawyer, probably, and, and a legal process so that our pastor isn't just simply booted out of the church in a back, from a backroom uh, decision by a group of people within the United Church that somebody is uh, going to stand up for her rights and for our rights as a congregation. I'm saying our, I'm not a member of the church officially yet, but I feel it is my church. I belong there. So it is, it is, there is some historic significance to what's going on here. Like churches frown on pastors declaring themselves atheists. So today was uh, Bring an Atheist to Church Day, uh, an interview, interview an atheist at church. And this was somebody, uh, Kyle, Kyle Jones from uh, California, who has a movement, I guess, all, all across the United States about trying to improve dialogue between atheists and the various church groups and factions and religions and so on. And, and, um, it was quite interesting. So that was our talk. The quote of the week, and it may refer to, uh, what I'm struggling with right now as I talk, life is like an ever shifting kaleidoscope, a slight change and all patterns alter. And I used the word fickle before, but it's just that your moods can dictate how you look at the world, how you look at yourself. And that mood can change depending on, you know, so many variables. And and then it it means we want to find out, well, what's the constant? What's what's. What's in steel? What, what, what are my true solid beliefs that aren't changed and shifted by, you know, whether you had a good night's sleep or not? What, what do you really stand for? And I think that's why last night when I was going out for beer, I, I, I was questioning it. I was thinking, well, shouldn't there be something else I'm doing that that is... You know, to make this world a better place, if that's what you believe in, you, you know, you're on the side of peace and and uh, justice and so on. Note how I didn't say prosperity. Um, shouldn't you be doing something of greater value than just sitting around having beer with friends? And the answer to that is no. It was a wonderful evening with Brian. We both really enjoyed it. We, we value our friendship and... Uh, we, the people we encounter in the course of an evening like that, we are very pleasant to, and 
Uh, maybe there are no great positives at the end of it, but uh, there's certainly no harm. All right, enough justification there. Last night, during the conversation, I also mentioned to Brian, I was struggling a little bit with this podcast. I know there's a few listeners who came over from the Dixon Jane's podcast, and, and I almost begged people, please, you know, give this one a listen. Give, give it a try. It's still me, but it's not the Scarborough dude. And Brian last night, and Brian's not a regular podcast listener, but he has liked the show, and he said, it's because you... You say things in a way I want to say, and you, you express yourself, and that character, the Scarborough dude, speaks for us. And, and I know lots of other people felt that. I would let go as the Scarborough dude. I would swear and curse and rant and rave and say stupid things I might take back later, but it was in the, the heat of the moment. I would let it all out, and I, I maintain this is my therapy. This is This is what's helping me is... I'm not being held back. I need to be, have this freedom to vocalize, to, to say whatever I want. And it's very clear I'm not doing that on this podcast because it's like there was a conscious decision to be reasonable, to be nice, to be kind, to be polite, to put out something that you could tell anybody about and, and nobody will be offended. Well... I'm really getting closer and closer every week to realizing this is not a winning formula. Even though this is me speaking, I mean, there's nobody else but me, and, and the Scarborough dude was really nobody else but me. God, maybe, I don't know if that's true. Sorry. This is my voice. This is me talking in a rational, I think fairly clear manner. But I'm struggling. I'm wondering if this is, you know, a church me, a me who wants... I don't don't know what I want. Like, I really am... Last night, I thought it's only going to be a matter of time, maybe another few shows, before I've turned this podcast over to the Scarborough dude. I know this may sound silly to some of you. That, that what, what are you? What is this Scarborough dude? It's not a real person. It's just a, a name you chose so they wouldn't necessarily trace it back to Ken Bowl, the one who taught at this community college and so on, and with a lot of politically incorrect and insensitive views. It was just a name, but I think it was something more than that. And last night, maybe I had a text from a good friend, Canadian friend in uh, Memphis, Dave Delaney, a social media guru, and I say that in the good sense of the word. He's actually written a book about social media and a wonderful book. Um, Dave said, well, maybe we'll have a late night Dixon Janes, my little podcast. Because, you know, by then I had had quite a few beer into me and a toke. 
And I sort of thought, you know, that, that might be fun. Maybe I could do Dixon jeans on the side. But I realized, no, that's, that's not the answer. What I hadn't realized when I stopped Dixon Jane's was that I was bringing an end to the Scarborough dude. I was shutting out that voice. And that's the part that's, that's bugging me. Because, I mean, that voice was 10 years in the making. And at one point, actually for, for quite a while, I was trying to bridge and, and bring together Ken and the Scarborough dude. Now it seems on this podcast... I'm trying to separate them. I'm trying to be, no, this is just Ken. And Ken will speak in this way. And Ken won't swear. And Ken won't rant and scream and say stupid things or podcast drunk or stoned. Ken will try and do a proper podcast with a theme or a topic and something that I wouldn't be embarrassed if somebody else listened to. And and I know I'm going in circles here, but... I'm trying to drive it home maybe to myself more than to you because there's the other part of the equation. Who are you? When I did Dixon Jane's as a Scarborough dude, I had a real strong sense of my listenership. I knew. I felt. I mean, I had my congregation. I knew I was talking to. I knew what I could say. And I, I knew how it would be felt. As I express myself, I knew what the reactions would be by different from different people, of course. But I, I just knew there was a there was a sense of a oneness between me and the listeners. And now there isn't. There is me and who's listening? I don't know. I know Jason up in this brain is. Um, I don't know about any others. Keith McNally. Says he is. But I'm not getting any feedback. And, and this isn't going to be another one of those desperate, poor podcaster. Please, for, please write and tell me you're listening. Please tell me you like it. Please ask a question. Please give me feedback. Please post a comment. No, no. Those days, I think, are past. People are just too busy. There are just too many podcasts. We, we just don't have time to do that. You've got to go it alone and you've got to have a little bit of strength of your own convictions of what you're doing is is good enough and I want this to be good enough but I'm realizing now, here it is episode 11 that changes will have to be made and either I turn this over to the Scarborough dude and let him run the show and say bye bye I'm bowing out but then I'd have to ask myself well what's that mean about Ken then who, who, what's left? Who, who is Ken? Isn't 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 it what I'm doing? Trying to say, hey, it, this is me. I'm I'm the real one. So what I thought I was going to do, and I I don't know, is maybe ask the Scarborough dude to be on the show with me, so that I can talk to him. And maybe work out some kind of an arrangement. I think that's the I think that's the only logical way to do this. Bring him on and uh, have a little exchange. So let me take a break and uh, I'll see if we can uh, 
We can arrange something like that. Hang on. My Mabel waits for me underneath the clear blue sky Where the dog sits on the tackle box by Ma from Guy. I meet her every day and I know she's dinky-dye Where the dog sits on the tackle box by Ma from Guy. I think she's bonza and she reckons I'm good at She is such a trimmer that I've entered her in the royal show My Mabel waits for me underneath the clear blue sky Where the dog sits on the tackle box five miles from Gundagai Sits on the tucker box five miles from Gundagai. I meet her every day and I know she's dinky die. Where the dog sits on the tucker box five miles from Gundagai. I think she's Bonza and she reckons I'm good out. She's such a trimmer that I've entered her in the royal show. My Mabel waits for me underneath the clear blue sky. Where the dog sits on the tucker box five miles from Gundagai. Where the dog sits on the tucker box five miles from Gundagai. Okay, well, that was uh, easier than I thought. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listeners to the uh, Baby Sally podcast, I'd like to uh, welcome my guest today, the Scarborough Dude. Scarborough Dude, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Well, I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter, and uh, yeah, this is this is weird. Okay, listen, um, one of the problems is... Our voices sound very similar, and I'm afraid listeners are going to get confused uh, as our conversation drags on uh, which one is which. So I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind using your trademark swearing. So maybe every sentence, every answer you give me, if you put in a curse, a swear word, they'll know it's you and not Ken. Would you mind doing that? Thank you. I thought you'd never ask. Okay, so that was a little bit glib, but uh, this this is what I hope is going to be a serious conversation. So, you know, I've been having trouble getting going with this uh, new podcast, with finding my voice. And the reason I've asked you to join us today is to, I, I don't know, g- either give me some advice or help me out or, or maybe even take over the show. Could you comment on that? Uh, I don't know. If I take over the show, it's not going to be the same show, right? Like, I'm just going to do it my way, and next thing you know, it'll be like the old Dixon Janes podcast. And I I thought you wanted to be done with that. Um. Uh, Well... I did, uh, yes, I, 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 want, I want you, but I don't want Dixon Janes. And maybe those are inseparable. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think they are. I mean, this, everybody's already told you this Baby Sally title sucks. I don't know why you sort of went down that path and insisted 
on uh, calling this thing Baby Sally. Nobody liked it from the start. I mean, you even had it Baby Sally's Sunday sermons to get going, and that should have been a clue right then and there. Nobody was going to want to listen. Asshole. Okay, look, I'm not enjoying... Sorry. I'm not enjoying the swear words. This is not working out quite the way I wanted. You don't have to call me an a-hole every sentence. I, I really do want some serious conversation. I, I mean, I'm I'm desperate, all right? I'm not feeling comfortable doing this podcast. And maybe part of that was the fact that when I started podcasting, I I started as the Scarborough dude and... Um, well, now wait a minute now. You got that name because of uh, Bob Goyetch when you called in and insulted their show, the uh, Bob and AJ podcast, way back 10 years ago. And uh, I think you sort of grew into the Scarborough, but I, I don't think you were the Scarborough dude to start with. I, I think you your very first episodes were Ken. Much like this podcast, for fuck's sake. Yeah, you see, look, you, you know, forget that thing I said about the swearing, all right? Because it's not working, and you're not swearing the way the Scarborough did. The Scarborough dude used to swear when he needed to, when he felt it, when it was the only way to express his feeling. Just sort of tacking on an F.U. at the end of a sentence isn't the same. Well, part of that is... The problem is because it's this damn sure of yours. You're trying to make this some sort of a, a nice little box that, that you can open up and anybody can look in and poke around and, and feel comfortable with. And that's not the way your style of podcasting, which I think you feel, you, premium, I'm saying you, but actually it's me, Scarborough dude, uh, promoted, was, was, it was all about free expression. And you've sort of limited yourself right from the start of not expressing yourself freely, of, of trying to be this this new, nice guy, Ken. And, and you made this mess, right? It's yours. Okay, all right, thank you. That's probably helpful criticism. And I know you're not saying that just to be mean. Um, it... It's true. I, I I just I felt it was time for a change, and I feel okay. Here's what I felt. I felt I was being limited by the Scarborough dude. The Scarborough dude might feel Ken is limiting him, but Ken felt the Scarborough dude was limiting his expression. That there's more to Ken than this Scarborough dude with his his you know what he had done for the past ten years, the way he expressed himself, his opinions, his thoughts that. Ken wanted to grow, and he felt he couldn't grow as long as he was trapped by the persona of the Scarborough dude. Okay, well, now this is getting interesting, then, because I'm sort of seeing as long as Ken doesn't allow the Scarborough dude to be expressed uh, on this new show, that you're limiting yourself just to Ken, it's, it's going to... It, it's going to run into problems. You're 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 going to come across as not being sincere, as not being honest, not being authentic. They are, well, you're right. I mean, I really want 
to be authentic. I want to be. It's just okay. Here, here's the thing. All right, li- listen to me. I don't feel that there's a place for the Scarborough dude in the church, and yet, and yet, and yet, the church has become part of this new kin. All right, there's no question about it, and and I have trouble seeing that because I'm so afraid people are going to conclude, oh my God, now he's become a Christian. And no, I, I'm at this church because it isn't about being a Christian. It's about being a better human, a human who wants to grow and to expand and a human who's aware of the horror and the nastiness and the problems on this earth and wants to hold on to some hope that good people can make things better. Okay? That's what Ken wants to do. And so Ken wanted to sort of put aside the Scarborough dude who was kind of I don't know if shallow's maybe shallow's not the word. No, that's that's not fair. But you know what I mean? That I needed room for a new person to come through. And now I realize we're gonna have trouble working that out. So what you might be saying, and by the way, this is Scarborough Dude again, in case the listeners are confused, is that maybe you need not just a Scarborough do, but you need other voices, other personas, other parts of Ken to come through. That it isn't just a question of is it Ken or the Scarborough dude, but it's who are the multitude of characters, personalities within Ken that need to be expressed. Well, this is Ken again, and, and I'm saying, hearing that makes me embarrassed a little because it makes it sound like somebody listening might think, oh my God, that, that, that asshole, forgive me, is making himself out to be kind of important, like he's got all these different parts to him. He's just so complicated and, and, I, and that, that embarrasses me. I want to I want to just be I want to simply be me and maybe that is a bit of a problem. Look, can I can I read something something that came up in church today um, that I kind of liked. It was, it was a quote by Jerry DeWitt which uh, Greta the uh, our pastor read uh, and it, it was to do with her coming out two years ago and, and declaring she was an atheist in, in church. Well, this has been a gradual process, but it's gotten her it's gotten her into a lot of trouble. And so she read this statement today, and there's more to follow that may eventually make its way into the newspaper. But this, this quote she borrowed from somebody called Jerry DeWitt, Skepticism is my nature. Free thought is my methodology. Agnosticism is my conclusion. Atheism is my opinion. Humanitarianism is my motivation. Okay? So when Ken's in church and Ken hears things like this, Ken feels, wow, this is speaking to me. Ken feels, like today when we did the walking around and and we had to... The meet and greet pit, you know, you walk around up and down the aisles and you just shake hands with whoever is near you and you look at them and everybody's wearing a name tag and you might use their name. I used to be uncomfortable about that. Now that I've come to church, you know, it's probably at least a dozen times now, it's 
and more comfortable about it. It's quite sincere to look somebody in the eye. Hey, Frank, how are you doing today? And it's starting to feel good. Ken feels an alignment with this church and with the people in the church. He feels much more comfortable there than he did before. And and I know this is complicating things. Uh, excuse me, Scarborough dude here. Can I can I speak up on that? I I applaud you for that. I I don't see a problem with that. I I see this is a good thing. You found a place. It wasn't planned. It wasn't that somebody pulled you there. If if you follow the path that was laid out in the Dixon James podcast as we move towards episode 500, it was very clear you were going to go somewhere else. You were looking for something else. And you used to tease about it'd be an ashram in India or you had to, you'd meet some holy guru and, and, and something would happen to change you and you'd be, you know, enlightened. But in fact, it's a very ordinary church in Scarborough, except that it's not an ordinary church, that you found by chance by reading an article in the Toronto Star making, I don't know, some judgment calls on having an atheist minister. And that drew you into it, and I think it's a good thing. So here it is. The Scarborough dude comes out of fishing and says, Ken, I applaud you. Don't fret so much. But my advice to you, Ken, is to let it go. Don't worry so fucking much about what other fucking people might think. Who gives a fuck about what they think? I don't fucking care. And if anybody's listening to this podcast now and doesn't like the fuck word, the F word, doesn't like swearing, doesn't like ranting, fuck them. Tell them to leave. They don't need to listen. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. And for anybody else who wants to come along for the ride. So tell them, hey, sorry, you don't like this, but this is me. I'm a funny person. I'm an odd person. I express myself in odd ways. Sometimes I scream and rant and rave and go over the fucking top because I just need to fucking get it out of my system. All right? Whoa. Well, thank you. Uh, needless to point out, that was the Scarborough dude. That wasn't Ken. That was the Scarborough dude, and I invited him on the show. And I think we're probably going to bring things to a, a close. Now. I, I don't think we finished. I came looking for guidance. I came looking for advice. I may have just received some. I haven't quite digested that yet. And And Ken apologizes to anybody who feels... They need an apology, but I, 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 I kind of echo the Scarborough dude's advice in just a slightly different way. If this isn't your cup of tea, I'm sure there are other places you'll feel more comfortable. Please don't waste any more of your time coming here to find out what's going on, because uh, I have the feeling now that that little glass ceiling has been shattered, or the glass walls... Um, things won't quite be the same going forward. So, um, gosh, I, I don't want to end on that note. So I, I will, I'll find a, a song. Uh, Scarborough, thank you, I think, 
for coming on the show. <sighs> Man, no problem. And ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned because uh, the thing I do enjoy about podcasting is it is a it's a living thing. It's it's a cultivated thing. It 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 grows. It changes. It's actually alive. And never, ever something that just sort of gets held in one place. You might think because it's digital, because it's recorded, it's fixed, but it's not. True podcasters will tell you, they will understand, podcasting is a process. It's not an end. It's not a fixed thing. So um, this was perhaps an example of, uh, of that process. And um, yeah. I I hope very much to find an appropriate tune to uh, calm everybody down. And uh, we'll kind of put an end to it right there. And uh, Ken will be back next week. I'm not so sure about the Scarborough dude, but uh, you will be hearing from Ken. So uh, we've run a little long once again. Thank you for your patience and indulgence. And uh, if there are any Dixon Jane's listeners out there, um, feedback would be appreciated. Thank you very much, and uh, bye for now. It's a lonesome away from your kindred and all By the campfire at night when the wild dingoes call But there's nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer Well, the publican's anxious for the quota to come And there's a faraway look on the face of the bum the maid's gone all cranky and the cook's acting queer Oh, what a terrible place is a pub with no beer Then the stockman rides up with his dry, dusty throat He breasts up to the bar and pulls a wad from his coat But the smile on his face quickly turns to a sneer When the barman says sadly, the pub's got no beer Swag, he comes in covered in dust and flies He throws down his roll and wipes the sweat from his eyes But when he is told, he says, what's this I hear? I've trudged 50 flaming miles to a pub with no beer Now there's a dog on the veranda for his master, he waits But the boss is inside, drinking wine with his mates he hurries for cover and he cringes in fear It's no place for a dog round a pub with no beer And old Billy the blacksmith, first time in his life Has gone home cold sober to his darling wife He walks in the kitchen, she says, you're early, my dear Then he breaks down and tells her, the pub's got no beer 
it's hard to believe that there's customers still But the money's still tinkling in the old ancient till The wine dots are happy and I know they're sincere When they say they don't care if the pub's got no beer Well it's a lonesome away from your kindred and all By the campfire at night where the wild dingoes call but there's nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer